and welcome to Life in the Rabbit Hole, the Caneo Parent Pod. I'm Lori Carice, a fellow parent living in the Caneo Valley and your host. Thank you for tuning in. For parent pod tales, community matters, and social topics, which include plenty of wellness content. Parenting is not a one-size-fits-all approach. It's as difficult as much as it's rewarding, and we've all heard from the beginning of this journey, it takes a village. So join us as we connect through life in the rabbit hole. For everyone, everywhere. This episode is sponsored by Camp Keystone. Welcome back, summer campers. Registration is open for Camp Keystone's amazing summer programming experiences for kids ages 3 to 15. Visit CampKeystone.com for June 14th through August 13th enrollment. Camp Keystone is COVID-19 experience. All guidelines are being met and they're ready to have fun. Welcome back to our listeners. May is Celiac Disease Awareness Month. So I invited a guest to join us today to speak on the topic, Sarah Curcio, social media strategist, content creator, VA coach, Amazon bestseller, and organizer of celiac and allergy support. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, Lori. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I am so happy you're able to join me today. I know that I met you or stumbled across you in a conversation about celiac disease, and you were willing to share some information and a little bit about your journey. And I, I wanted to connect with you for our listeners to kind of, you know, do a deeper dive on the issue, especially with this being Celiac Disease Awareness Month. I really want to talk about, you know, what that means. That doesn't just mean going gluten-free, right? <laughs> I mean, a lot of people yeah. talk about, you know, gluten-free benefits, but, you know, there's there's really a little more to it. So tell me about your journey with celiac disease and, of course, the community you've built. Oh, sure, definitely. Um, well, celiac disease can come in quite a few different variations, actually, because some people you can catch it very quickly and they will just be gluten free. But often that's not the case, unfortunately. If they catch it later on in life, then you typically end up end up having other food allergies. And the most common ones seen with celiac disease are dairy, corn, egg, coffee, and chocolate, actually. The last two I know are very odd, but it seems to be a big thing with celiacs. And you can also, if you have celiac, you can also get DH, which is dermatitis herpetomophorus. And that is basically celiac of the skin, where you have to be careful what lotions, what soaps, what shampoos you use, and make sure there's no gluten or even oats that aren't certified in these products, because otherwise you're going to get rashes and blisters on your skin as well. So not only is it a gut disease, but it can hit your skin and your pores as well. And unfortunately that runs in my family. My mom, my mom, brother, and I all have celiac disease and we have DH and we don't eat uh, dairy. and, And because it has, casein in it, which is the protein, like gluten is the protein. So they kind of 
it, it's weird in the body, but they are so closely like related. They kind of like mimic each other and they can end up giving you the same symptoms. So unfortunately we don't eat it. And I got diagnosed when I was around 19 years old. So I've been gluten-free actually a little over 15 years now. And I started the support group, Celiac and Allergy Support, through meetup.com 10 years ago. Actually, this past February was our 10-year anniversary. And of course, because of COVID, we had to pivot things online, but I was still able to get some guest speakers and get some webinars going to give people some uh, information with different things like that. But um, it's nice to be surrounded by a community of people who either have celiac disease or other food allergies as well. You know, this way you feel like you're you're not alone, basically. Tell me about how you were diagnosed. What was the trigger? What took you down to the path of really investigating, you know, why you're having, I'm assuming, some type of reaction? Well, actually, in my case, I had latent celiac. So my symptoms didn't show up until later. The first thing that happened with me was I got thyroid disease and I had Graves disease. So I could eat any and eat and lose of like a pound a day, literally. And then later on, I ended up developing Hashimoto's disease, which is also a thyroid disease, the opposite end of the coin, though, it was hypo instead of hyper. And then after they diagnosed me with that, that's when they did blood work and saw that my gliadins were elevated because they had done gliadins when I was younger, like in my teens, and it was always normal. But then after I got my thyroid around 18, then by 19, it actually showed up. And then I had the endoscope where they check your villi, and that was flattened in the parts that they had taken. So with all of that together, yeah, I was latent. My brother was diagnosed um actually. And then my mother was diagnosed second. I was the last one to be diagnosed in the family. Okay. So 15 years gluten-free, that is way before it was a trend, as I use air quotes here. Yes. <laughs> you know, going gluten-free, I'm going to say is more like the last decade, and I, I know this because I used to run a trade show that I, I founded and I ran for about eight years. And at one point I did incorporate a segment, Go Green and Gluten-Free. And I used to get a lot of samples and I do like the open the box and tasting and uh, product reviews. And I can remember how old my kids were. So it was probably about a decade ago when, when it was, became a trend. So you, you know, creating community before that is incredible. But I must say, since you were gluten free before it was a trend, I'm sure you also welcome the trend because of accessibility of products. I definitely agree with everything you just said. And my mom, actually, because she's the baker in the family, like we all like to cook. So we don't mind cooking gluten-free, you know, to different meals. But then when it come, came to things like bread or any type of, say, desserts, we were a little bit at a loss. So my mom used to come up with her own recipes 
and bake them. But she, my poor mom would spend hours <laughs> baking and trying different things because, you know, when you're coming off using wheat flour and then you're going into all these other gluten-free flours that aren't common, especially back then, like you say, you know, you had uh, corn, soy, arrowroot, certified gluten-free oats. That was like probably the most quote unquote normal flour to, to use, but some of the other flours were harder, you know, and especially you needed xanthium gum to work with it. And that was a whole different ball game when it came to baking like that. So yeah, it really did help when the, these companies started coming out more with different things. Now we can actually buy wraps and buy bread and, you know, it just, it's, it's a lot easier than it used to be. I have to say, because I mean, I, I remember when my, my brother was first diagnosed, he was a kid. I mean, He's like five years younger than me, so he's been doing this the longest out of all of us. But it was very hard for him to try to do it. And, you know, especially, you say, taking um, lunches to school and what he could eat, what he couldn't. So, yeah, it, it was definitely a bit of a struggle for celiacs in general all those years ago. But being that you had mentioned, you know, kind of like an expo that you held, it reminds me of. It used to be called the Gluten-Free and, I believe, Allergen-Friendly Expo, but then they changed it to the Nourish Festival. And I, I would go with my group every year to do it. And they had all the tastings and different things like that. You could either purchase or they give coupons. And it's definitely nice to see what else is out there because sometimes it's smaller companies that are coming up that – you don't necessarily see in the bigger stores. So you can connect with them, order things online. And I love sharing those types of resources with my meetup group, definitely with my support group. I wonder where they changed the name because now that you mentioned that expo, I was familiar with it. I didn't go, but because I was on the same path in, in reaching out to a lot of the same sponsors, I was definitely aware of that expo. And I, I'm wondering why they changed the name because they, they were actually a very popular expo. Is it still around? Do you still attend? Yes, it, it is still around. They did pivot online last year because of COVID. Of I, I don't know what they're going to do this year. But it's usually in October for the location I'm in. I'm in New Jersey, and they usually have it up in Secaucus around October. So that's like five months from now. I haven't heard anything just yet as to which way they're going to go, virtual or in person. But, I mean, if I had to guess, they're probably going to do virtual one more time, and then maybe next year they'll go back to the in-person because it's good that they pivoted it, but it's not – what I had expected, you can't like interact really. So I'm kind of looking forward to going back to in-person and with my support groups, I do miss being able to go to restaurants because like, that's how, that's my whole thing that we're still able to go out and enjoy food without, you know, having to have that fear. So that's kind of like what my, message surrounded the community for so COVID took it like shoved it back and I had to find alternatives myself to still get that message out you know a lot of the virtual groups when they had meetings they would have 
what's it called? Like, like dinner meetings and everybody would order something from different restaurants and everybody would say, oh, I got it from this restaurant, order meetings. So we kind of still were able to do that in some aspects, but I'm definitely looking forward to the way I had things structured before. Oh, I agree. I've been in the event space for 13 years now and I still count last year in my total here, but you know, obviously I didn't have anything in person. I had to do virtual events and now even audio events. And um, it's been a huge, huge difference. And, and, you know, possibly not as effective, but as event planners, we also have to keep our name out there, try to keep yes. people connected. So as long as people are open to virtual, you know, we keep that going. But everybody is very anxious, definitely, to be back in person. I know I am as well. I, I'm going to be able to tiptoe into my wellness space, probably bigger way before, you know, my family events, just because they're smaller group gatherings, but I'm in Los Angeles. So there's still a lot of restrictions, even though a lot of doors are about to open here. Yeah, I'm not ready to, you know, dive all in, though. (laughs) I'll take a little extra time as well. (laughs) But I hope that with their name change, maybe that opened up some new doors and new categories for them. So I'm hoping that was also a big, you know, a, a pivot with purpose, as we'll call it. I'm not really sure what it was myself, but when they changed it, I was like, why did they change this? You know, yeah. and I think the entire Celia community was, was wondering that themselves, you know, but they still have a lot of good stuff. It's still basically similar events. And in, in addition to, you know, the vendors, they have speakers that you can go and listen to. So I'm looking forward to doing that again. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to being able to try new restaurants that are up and coming. And I mean, I always call, I try to be, you know, socially responsible with the celiac disease, especially as a leader, I have to be aware of everyone's allergies. So when they join, I have them fill out some questions to find out what allergies they have. That way, when they RSVP to an event, I'm able to see what allergies everyone has and I can call the restaurant up, speak to the manager and ask them, can you cater to A, B and C allergy? And also what is your cross-contamination procedure in your kitchen to make sure that they'll be able to handle celiac and that they're not just, say, set up for an individual who's gluten intolerant. You know, because a gluten intolerant individual doesn't necessarily have to worry about cross-contamination as much because they it's not an autoimmune disease for them. You know, they might just be a little bit sensitive. But when you have celiac disease, it's the autoimmune disease. So you have to worry about it damaging your villi. So I always try to take those extra precautions when I am going out to a meetup for my members. Wow, Sarah, if I had allergy issues, I would want you at my dinner table or (laughs) dining with me out and about leading me to the best places. And because you've done all this, you know, research on on menu items and accommodations in the kitchen, I'm, I'm, wow, you are definitely the go to here as the expert. Let me ask you a little bit about your leadership role. You're the organizer of um, celiac and allergy support. And I, I just heard a lot about what that leadership looks for you now. Do you have plans on where that can go in the future? To be honest with you, I've kept it very, what's the word I'm looking for? Just very mellow, very casual. I 
some people have said to me, maybe you should turn it into a nonprofit. But, you know, I find more of the social aspect in regards to it. And I enjoy that. And I like supporting people the way I do. So I think just continuing on with what I do, you know, always finding new restaurants or finding if I do virtual events, which which I have done in the past before in between. It's just obviously last year, I did it for every single event. But I've always done things like that. Or I've had in person speakers, like I've had naturopaths or functional medicine doctors come and organize things going to a library or, you know, some of the individuals that I have met at the expo from different products. I've organized things like that so people can buy things. So I've done different events like that. And um, I feel quite comfortable with the events I've created and even the, the different members that have joined and come to RSVP over the years because we have had a core group over the years and of course you get new members in between different things like that but it's been really nice and I'm really really proud that uh we hit the full decade mark this year for it. Congratulations you know you mentioned a few times speakers that you brought in some speakers and that you enjoy the speakers at the expo could you consider being on a speaker path yourself? I can definitely apply for those things, but I I enjoy more the writing aspect. I actually write the Journal of Gluten Sensitivity, and I've been doing that for probably the last four or five years now. So I, I like to write a lot of articles and share them on social media because I also have a celiac Facebook group that's connected with my support group. So when I do write articles, I share things on there. I, I enjoy writing rather than speaking per se. That's more my spiel. Okay. I just wanted to kind of test that theory a little bit. You've spoken about speakers and I, I'm sure that your community would probably love to go and listen to you speak. But if you're the writer, I get that. I, I'm more the same way, actually. Thank so, you. um, Congratulations on the anniversary and the growing community. Before we go, I was wondering if we can, I will make sure they're in show notes, but let's drop some links on how to find you and also communities that are available to join so they can actually feel inclusive. Oh, sure. I mean, even if somebody's in another state, they could still join my meetup because, like I said, I do do virtual ones in between. So if they go to meetup.com slash allergy, that's where they'll where they're find celiac and allergy support. So if they want to join from there, then there's also links on my website where they could connect with my Facebook group as well. So this way they could join both communities if they choose to. And I'll make sure your website is also in our notes here. Sarah, thank you so much. You actually opened up my eyes a little bit. When when you mentioned the the skin rash, I'm I'm actually going to pay a little closer attention even to my daughter. I don't I don't feel that she has celiac disease, but perhaps she does have some allergies. She just made me kind of think because she does have a little bit of a skin irritation. And um, some of the items you mentioned there, now I'm kind of questioning. So that's always why I want to do these recordings and bring in people like you is to, you know, give awareness, make people kind of think a little bit more. 
not only exactly, have, I, I agree with that word. That's perfect. Just to spread awareness and, you know, help educate people. Well, also to be sensitive to other people when they do have those yes. dietary needs, you know, just, just understand it is, you know, it's not like, hi, I'm just being picky and I don't want to eat anything. And I, <laughs> you know, I want to be, um, I call it a pita. You know what that is, right? Pain mm-hmm. in the ass. Okay. <laughs> I was keeping this G rated. It's like, you're not being a pita at the table. There's real consequences. So, you know, I, I appreciate that. And I, I just wanted to bring out this messaging to create awareness for people to be obviously sensitive to those with dietary needs, especially when it comes to the, you know, allergen-free community and also talk a little bit more about, you know, gluten-free, not just a trend, but, you know, required for a lot of people. And you, you even took that further, you know, talking about, you know, celiac like disease is, does not just mean you don't eat gluten. There are other issues and circumstances and and things to watch. So I really appreciate you being here with me today. And that'll be it. So this is May is Celiac Disease Awareness Month. So I will also make sure that I drop a website in the show notes on how to get more information about the organizations available. Thank you so much, Lori. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening today and please subscribe to our podcast so that you can be alerted each time we drop a new episode. For bonus content, be sure to join us as a member and receive Green Room Diaries, After the Final Cut, Confessions of a Caneo Valley Mom, as well as our exclusive wellness workshops. From one parent to another, we've got this. Just believe in yourself and remember we're our own worst critics. Tell yourself and another that they're doing a good job.